When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a charge nurse, you can be a confident and dynamic leader who supports the nursing team and guides their patient care. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program equips you with strategies that prepare you to manage the ever-changing realities of healthcare while maintaining focus on family support and patient outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 250 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Gamecock Central Radio. We've got a new program for you today. I'm Emerson Phillips, and I'm joined by Scott Davis, columnist for Gamecock Central. Scott, good to be with you today, my man. How are you? I am doing well, Emerson. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to have a little fun. We're talking Gamecock football, and we were lamenting the fact uh, before we started the show today that you know, it's been a tough year for us Gamecocks, you know, what with the losing season to this point and then the sudden resignation of Steve Spurrier, and we had the flood here in South Carolina, and it's just been a difficult uh, season for any number of reasons, but a lot of football left to be played, and we're going to try to make the most of what's left of the year. You know, we don't get many of these, so we we got to enjoy the ones we do get, but you're right, it has been one thing after another for this program. It's been one thing after another for this state this year, and it really has seemed at times that <laughs> there was not much hope in sight, but I think there seems to be a little bit of energy around the program right now, which is good. I think the fans are excited about who the new coach could potentially be, what the direction of the program is going to be. So we're going to let these last few games play out and see what happens. But um, from there, who knows where we go? Yeah, it's been a trying couple of months for sure, Scott. And, um, you know, we're coming off of the open date here. And I told you before we opened the show that typically I don't like the open date. You know, it's it's a limbo period. We're sitting around waiting for the next Carolina game, and I'm looking forward to that. And especially when things were going good, you know, a couple, three, four years ago, we were looking forward to getting that next game underway. But this year, and I I don't know if other Gamecock fans feel this way, but – you know, I was very pleased with the open date. It really couldn't have come at a much better time for me personally. And, you know, we had such a sparse crowd at the Vanderbilt game. I was shocked at how uh, small the turnout was for that game. And you know, I understood that the flood had a lot to do with it. And, it, of course, it was the first game after Coach Spurrier had resigned. And, you know, I think morale among the fan base was low at that point. And I understood that. But I was shocked, frankly, at how small the crowd was at williams Bryce, and typically on the bye week, you know, I would sit around and watch a lot of other college games. I only watched one college game this past Saturday, Scott, and that was uh, the Clemson game. I watched Clemson boat race Miami, and that game was over, you know, by the middle of the second quarter. That game would had been decided, so I didn't even really watch the second half very closely, and that's about all the football that I watched this weekend, so it was nice for me personally to be able to step back and kind of reflect on the season to this point and you know, the flood has certainly put everything into perspective here in the Midlands. Football not a real priority for folks uh, here in South Carolina the last few weeks. So it was nice to have a week off and to sort of catch your breath and get ready for these last five games. 
Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't couldn't agree more. I, before we get to just the open date in general, to, to go back to your comment about the Vanderbilt game, I agree with that. I that was the first game I've been able to attend this season. I live in Atlanta, moved from South Carolina about a year and a half ago here, and so I don't get to go to as many games as I would like to. I really felt like I needed to be there for that game, and I, I wrote this in a previous column last week because of what had happened with this program, Steve Spurrier's surprise resignation, the flood, everything that was going on. I just wanted to be there, and as I said in my column, just sort of let the universe know that I still cared about this team. And I, for whatever reason, was really expecting a vintage, uh, fantastic Gamecock crowd. I know the flood was uh, made it difficult for some to maybe get there um, after everything that happened with the LSU game being moved and all of those things. It, it sort of threw a wrench into the entire schedule. And then, of course, the State Fair was involved. But I, I was, as you said, somewhat shocked by the atmosphere there that day. I, I felt that was going to be an opportunity for the fan base to really wrap around this program. And I've seen it happen many times uh, for other programs where the a coach is either fired or leaves during the year. And it, it seems like they really come through and provide their best effort and the fan base is passionate and excited about something good finally happening. And it, it just simply did not feel that way in Williams-Brice Stadium on that particular day, it was the fans seemed to be almost unsure of whether they could cheer for this team or not, and that surprised me a lot. But in terms of the open date, I've always kind of enjoyed you get so intense watching these games that sometimes it's nice to kind of recharge the batteries and take a day off. Watch other games that don't have anything to do with your team. And if somebody wins or somebody loses, it doesn't seem like the world's coming to an end. So for me, as just a football fan in general, those are always kind of fun because they usually happen at a point in the season, unfortunately, as a Gamecock fan, where I'm ready for a little bit of a break. And then, of course, as soon as the season ends, you can't wait for it to come back. Emerson Phillips with Scott Davis here on Gamecock Central Radio. Scott's got a weekly column on Gamecock Central. We invite you to check that out, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it here today. Scott, uh, before we move on to this week's column that you've got on Gamecock Central, I wanted to get your thoughts on the head ball coach resigning his position. You know, he's received a lot of criticism. A lot of people want to create the perception that, you know, he quit on this team, maybe even on the university, on the fan base. I've maintained all along that the head ball coach has simply gotten out of the way. You know, he maintained for years that he would coach the team as long as he felt he could get the job done. And as soon as he felt like he couldn't, he would get out of the way. And I feel like that's what he did. I completely agree. that He said this past offseason, I'm not going to hang around here just to go 6-6. Six and six. And I think he saw the writing on the wall that in this season, he probably wasn't even going 6-6. Six and six. And so the the main question was, okay, even if we had, let's say, turned this thing around and, and gotten bowl eligible and gone six and six or or even shocked the world and gone seven and five with upsets over Florida, perhaps Clemson or Tennessee, because you would have had to have beaten at least two of those teams to make that happen. Where was the program heading? Uh, he had made that two to three year comment last year that just really was like sticking a pin in 
the, the balloon of that recruiting class last season. It, you had guys fleeing from the program within minutes almost of that statement being made. And so it, when you talk about did he quit on this team, absolutely not. I, I would argue that he is attempting – to set this program up for the future. There just wasn't a lot to be gained by him hanging around for another six games. The Gamecocks probably almost certainly weren't going bowling. So what, what was the point for him to stay here a few more weeks, see if he could get a few more notches in that, you know, career victory belt that he now holds at South Carolina there just wasn't a lot to gain. And on the flip side, Ray Tanner now has longer period of time to vet other candidates, find out who he wants as his coach, figure out what his vision is for his next head coach. And um, this season was going nowhere fast. And so it, Steve Spurrier at this point has done – Gamecock fans don't need to to feel that he owes them anything. He – He's the winningest head coach in South Carolina history. He gave you more than 80 wins during his tenure here. There was a glorious four-year run that included 42 wins, um, some very uh, impactful New Year's Day bowl victories over longtime traditional Big Ten teams. And so Spurrier doesn't owe anyone an apology for anything. The man is 70 years old. He's given his life to South Carolina for over a decade now, and that should be all that anyone could ask from him. Agreed, and he's going to remain around the program. He's still very much part of the Gamecock family. So, you know, he's moving on to some other things, and I think the timing was okay. You know, a lot of folks regret that it came in the middle of the season, but, you know, again, my sentiment is that uh, if he felt like he was done, then he did the right thing by getting out of the way. So I'm happy to see that a lot of Gamecock fans sort of coming to their senses. I think that the head ball coach received a lot of criticism very early, but I think that has subsided now. And I thought, uh, Scott, that the air was cleared, frankly, when the head ball coach did resign. And I feel like Gamecock football can now turn its attention to the the future. And that begins with Sean Elliott as the interim head coach. Well, he's done all you can hope that uh, an interim head coach can do at this point. Obviously, he went out and won his first football game. I think that he he is clearly trying to inject some enthusiasm and passion into this program, which, quite frankly, it needed. This had become – the program had become a little bit stale. There wasn't a lot of excitement surrounding it. Recruiting had definitely tailed off the last few years. There's just simply no other way – to say it and South Carolina is at a crossroads right now in terms of what it's going to do with its recruiting organization. They're going to make some major changes in the way they attempt to connect with young people um, in this day and age. I know I sound like an old guy using phrases like this day and age and young people, but that's just the reality. The way that South Carolina had been conducting its recruiting operation was simply no longer working and, So Sean Elliott's task right now is obviously he's got to win. I don't want to say he's got to win out to have an opportunity to get this head coaching job, but I will say I can't imagine him getting a nod without A, beating Clemson at the end of the year, and B, probably winning five of the six games that are left that he he will be the head coach 
four. He's, he's already won one of them. But that means he's going to have to beat some combination of Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson with Tennessee being on the road, Texas A&M on the road this week, which is just not a good matchup for South Carolina's defense at all. And so I would say he faces a monumental task in getting his name into the mix. But the one thing you can say about him is that he clearly wants to be here. He loves this university. He loves the state. Uh, this represents a dream job for him. And so when he was presented an opportunity to have six games to work with to make a case for himself, he's going to roll the dice and go all in on that. It's clear he's already talked about making some personnel changes as to who's playing. He's talked about tweaking things on the defensive side of the ball, which Steve Spurrier never commented on anything that was happening on defense. So I think at this point, obviously, he faces a an incredibly uphill climb, but I think he's made, making a case for himself as well as he possibly can, given the circumstances that he was put into. Yeah, he's putting his heart into it, no question about that. And I think he is uh, very serious about wanting to be the head coach at the University of South Carolina, not just for the remainder of this year, but for the years to come. So I'm excited about the, the new energy, as you described it, the new enthusiasm, the passion that he has brought to the program. And uh, I think it's been a, a fairly positive change, all things considered. You hate to lose a coach the caliber of Steve Spurrier, but I feel like this year's team is in good hands with Sean Elliott. So, Scott, let's get back to your column this week. And I, I enjoyed reading your piece on Gamecock Central this week. And, you know, you open talking about the open date. And uh, I, I enjoyed the open date this year. Rarely I, I, do I feel that way, but this year it was a welcome week off. And there were a couple of other items in there that uh, I wanted to talk with you about. And you mentioned the game day show, the ESPN college game day show are you a regular viewer of that show scott i don't watch that show every week i do watch it almost every week it, for me and i said this in the column i, I think without a doubt it's the greatest pre-game show in sports history that's across the nfl major league baseball nba whatever you want to talk to sports wise because and the reason i believe that is because at some point they realize the thing that sets college football apart from all of the other sports is the passion of its fan bases. The fact that they're that, that that they are made up of college kids who have so much enthusiasm and and excitement about this stuff. And so early on, they began to take their show on the road and place place it at you know wherever they felt was the most important matchup of that particular day. And in doing so. They really tapped into, um, again, as I said, the enthusiasm and, and passion that college football fans have. And so when I think about college football and how much I look forward to watching it, thinking of the game day show is one of the, the ways that I connect to the sport. And so watching it on Saturday mornings gets me fired up for, for the games that are ahead that day. And they uh, did something unique this week that they will do from time to time, which is they went to an FCS school in James Madison in Virginia who was playing Richmond. And, of course, the scene there was amazing. They, uh, If you're uh, at a school that has, I don't know, 4,000 students or however many they have at James Madison, I would imagine that 90-something percent of them were on at that game day set because that was the thing to do there. And so it isn't passe for places like that, like it may be at Alabama or Florida or LSU. 
So I enjoyed that. I thought they did a good job with it. I think their analysis is always good. And as I said in the column, I know Gamecock fans have used Lee Corso as kind of a punching bag over the last <laughs> decade or so because he, you know, made a statement at one time that he didn't think even Steve Spurrier could win here. But quite honestly, and Spurrier himself has said this on many occasions, he has said outright, Lee, Lee Corso wants South Carolina to succeed. So I, I do like that show. I think it, it puts me in the mood to watch college football. Yeah, it's definitely special. It's the, the atmosphere is unique. There's no question about that. So, Scott, there was a comment made. You know, I caught the tail end of game day this past Saturday, and I about fell on the floor when I heard, I believe it was Kirk Herbstreet, and I don't want to credit the wrong person for this statement here, but somebody on the panel made the comment that a one-loss Notre Dame team would end up making the college football playoff ahead of an undefeated Clemson team. And far be it for me to heap praise on on Clemson, but I, I about fell on the floor when I heard that because Clemson just beat Notre Dame just a few weeks ago. And if Clemson runs the table and if they end up undefeated and Notre Dame's only losses to Clemson, I believe it was Herb Street was saying that he feels like Notre Dame will get into the college football playoff ahead of Clemson. And I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around that. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? There, there's listen. There's, there's no one who <laughs> I don't. I don't even have anything orange in my wardrobe uh, <laughs> in my closet right now. So you're, you're never going to hear me praise Clemson unless there's just no other way to avoid doing so. But th- there's no rational explanation in any universe in which Notre Dame should make a playoff with one loss being to Clemson if Clemson does run the table. And so Herb Street reiterated again today on Twitter, he did not specifically reference Clemson in this, but he said, I believe if Notre Dame is 11-1 and one at the end of the season, they will be in the playoff. Now, if that comes at the expense of Clemson, I think you've got to ask a lot of questions about what we're doing here with this college football playoff I don't see how an undefeated team who defeated the team in question and gave it its only loss somehow would find itself on the outside looking in and not making the playoff I don't want Clemson to make the playoff I'm praying for someone to step in and provide divine intervention here um, at the end of the year I think they do have a very favorable look at getting there quite frankly been very underwhelmed with everything Florida State has done. That goes beyond their meltdown at the end of this past week's game against Georgia Tech. They just have not looked very good this year, really, at any point in time in this season. And so they're going to have to go on the road and find a way to upset a Clemson team that's undefeated and that will have a raucous atmosphere for that game. South Carolina, I mentioned in the column, probably, in my opinion, has the best chance of anyone left on this schedule to beat them. They will have to come to Williams-Brice. South Carolina has matched up favorably against Clemson in recent years. They won't have Steve Spurrier's play calling. And, yes, Clemson's offensive skill players are dynamic, but they were dynamic a few years ago, too. And so... At that point, I felt like South Carolina was just a stronger, more physical program than Clemson was. Not sure if that's the case anymore. So that could be the difference. But I still think there's at least a puncher's chance for the Gamecocks to do something in that game 
to put a scare into the Tigers. But beyond that, there's just really not much in the way for them along the way to the playoff. And so certainly if they finish undefeated, uh, they're going to be in there, in my opinion. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing a one-loss Notre Dame team getting in ahead of a one-loss Clemson team. And the suggestion was made this past weekend on ESPN Game Day that a one-loss Notre Dame team would get in ahead of an unbeaten Clemson team. And I, I found that to be – I thought it was absolutely absurd. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. There's a – Notre Dame, for whatever reason, I guess the cachet of their program, history, tradition, whatever you want to call it, they always seem to be able to, if they have any kind of decent season at all, sneak into what was formerly the BCS Bowl games. Now it's the playoff. And, you know, it's it's something that, again, we really, if if they somehow were to able, able to surpass Clemson, I really call into question how we're even making these decisions. I mean, it's just, um, it's, it's mind boggling, but I don't see that happening. I think there'd be an outcry if it did, but who knows? Yeah, I don't see it happening either. I think it'll work itself out some way, somehow in the long run. So we'll, we'll stay tuned and we'll find out more about that. Emerson Phillips with Scott Davis here on Gamecock Central Radio talking about Scott's weekly column here on Gamecock Central. And Scott, there's one other item before we wrap things up today in your column this week that I wanted to talk about. And uh, I kind of chuckled when I first read it. Uh, I thought it was humorous, but then it, it was also kind of sad to me because it was true. And you said at one point in your column, uh, toward the end of the column, you mentioned that uh, there's this feeling that some Gamecock fans want to have a losing mentality. And, you know, I, I'm, scr- I'm scratching my head as I'm reading this, but I do know some Gamecock fans who seem to feel that way. So I, I laugh for a minute, and then I sort of shed a tear. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, it's, you know, look, everybody who's a Gamecock fan obviously wants to win wants to have a tradition, wants to build up our our trophy case and, and to someday, 50 years from now, be Alabama or Southern Cal. But I think what I meant by that, and I do stand by, is that there's a segment of the fan base that simply can't imagine a scenario at this point in which South Carolina is able to build a winning football pr- program and tradition. There just always seemed to be some sort of excuse about why it can't happen. So it's either, well, you know, we split a small state with Clemson, and we had so we don't have enough recruits. Well, you know, uh, Mississippi's a smaller state than South Carolina is, and Ole Miss is is recruiting pretty darn well. So that that doesn't make sense. And so then the tradition argument gets pointed to. Well, we don't have a tradition. Anybody can recruit to Alabama and win national championships there, but you can't do it at South Carolina. We'll see people actually weren't recruiting well at Alabama before Nick Saban got there. Mike Shula was his predecessor. He recruited nowhere near at the level that Saban has done. So that argument doesn't make a ton of sense. And so then we get to the – lately <laughs> we've gotten to this bizarre uh, sort of fretting and freaking out that whoever we hire, and we have some good candidates finally who are interested in this job, are somehow going to be poached away in you know two or three years because who knows what's going to happen with Mark Richt in Georgia or what if Charlie Strong gets 
ousted at Texas. Well, we don't know if any of those things have, are, are going to happen. First of all, Mark Richt has been on, he, he's been through so many quote unquote hot seat seasons at this point and has survived all of them. He'll end up winning most of the rest of their games this season, potentially even winning the SEC East, which is still on the table for Georgia. He's still relatively young, still recruits at a a very high level. And if he wins 10 games again this year, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Nick Saban's not going anywhere anytime soon. Charlie Strong has begun to turn things around at Texas. So, And even if any of those jobs came open, what leads anyone to believe that their first choice at Alabama or Georgia is going to be whoever South Carolina's coach is at the moment? We've never had a coach who's used our job as a stepping stone to some sort of glorious job somewhere else. So it's that kind of thinking to me that, that, it, that concerns me as a South Carolina fan. This is a critical moment for our program. This is the most important uh, hire our athletic department will make in its history because of the prestige of the Southeastern Conference and where we are now because of the base that Steve Spurrier built, getting us on the cusp of being a, an SEC championship contender. And so this job is as desirable as it's ever been with the facilities we have in place, with the money that's being uh, generated through tickets, the SEC Association and the SEC Network. And so I'm simply not going to make my hiring decision if I'm Ray Tanner based on whether or not Mark Rick might or might not be at Georgia three years from now because I'm terrified that someone won't want to stay in Columbia, South Carolina at the Mm. University of South Carolina. And so I hope our fans can um, take a moment and realize that this is a good job. This is a good state. It's a good place to be. We're in the most, we're in the premier conference in college football. And so let's give whoever our new coach is a chance to settle in and see if he can't build a program before we start worrying about where he might go five years from now. Right. So that's all I was saying there. And I, I do think there is a segment again of this, this fan base that, that just needs to realize, yes, we don't have a story tradition in South Carolina. That does not mean it can never happen. It just simply means we have to find the right people at the right time. And I hope this is going to be it. I agree. You know, I think University of Florida was very similar to South Carolina when they hired Steve Spurrier. You know, they had never won much. All they had was a Heisman Trophy winner. Right. And now they've got multiple national championships. So I, I agree. I think South Carolina is a very good job. And I think uh, some of these Gamecock fans that are still uh, that still have this losing mentality, I just think it's time to put that to bed once and for all. I would like to have thought that that ended with the back-to-back baseball national championships, but maybe there is a lingering element of that a little bit, uh, at least uh, in the fan base. Scott Davis, great to be with you today, man. Enjoy reading your work on Gamecock Central. You can check out Scott's column uh, here on Gamecock Central, and he'll be writing more on Gamecock football and Gamecock sports in the weeks to come. Scott, great being with you today. Thanks very much, Emerson. Enjoyed it. We'll do it again. We will do it again. We'll do it every week from here on out right here on Gamecock Central Radio. So, Scott Davis, my partner, and I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for joining us today on Gamecock Central Radio. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.